will end it after the shovel, or will it? Miami running around, circling, oh look out! Gronkowski didn't have the angle! Touchdown! Oh, how can you drink? A miracle! Well, hello, welcome to another episode of the Dolphin UK podcast. Uh, just two Sundays now without uh, football to go, so things are really gearing up. Um, soon to be a bit, bit more excitement in the Dolphins camp this week. A couple of uh, videos on social media doing the rounds of Tua hitting deep balls to, to, to his receivers. So, yeah, a bit more excitement picking up, and, uh, and hopefully with my two co-hosts, Lee and Simon, who are both here with me again. How are we doing, fellas? Simon, you all right, mate? Yeah, all right. Thanks, Lee. Yeah, um, continuing to have some positive feedback on the podcast. I think even my my brother, who's not an NFL fan, uh, NFL fan by any means, even he's listened to it and thinks we've done a good job. So, yeah, thank you, David, for that. <laughs> yeah, cheers, Dave. Who's our editor at the uh, uh, First and Ten stuff as well? So, yeah, thanks, mate. And uh, Lee, how are you doing? You all right, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Excited to be back on. Good man. Yeah, right. Let's talk some football then. Uh, last couple of weeks we've talked um, like positional groups for the Dolphins, uh, start with the quarterbacks and then we went on to the like running game last week. Uh, so we're going to have a similar theme. This week we're going to talk some of the wide receivers and tight ends and what's going on at those two positions. Then we'll jump into a bit of camp news. Uh, like I say, a bit more buzz this week around camp uh, and then close out with a, with a couple of bits talking about a few more of our free agents uh, who we brought in in the offseason season and then a very quick two minute drill um on a like the game that we like to go back and watch to to lift spirits and stuff like that at the end of the episode so yeah i guess we'll kick off then with some wide receiver discussion um quite quite interesting last season we've all been waiting for the Devonte parker breakout season for a couple of years uh, anyone playing fantasy football and uh, is a bit like me has been drafting parker since he's he was drafted by the dolphins and and, and committing to what a good player he was and i was finally proven right to a certain extent last year um lee was that a fluke was, was the one 2019 a, a, a one-off uh, are we going to see it again this year what do you reckon mate so i think it's kind of it's almost a two-part question because, I mean, if you take his career as a whole, like you say, it stands out. It, it is the anomaly is last year, not the years before. You know where where his stats kind of fall in more in line with each other. But I think there's been a few kind of telling things that that will mean this isn't a one-off, and we'll see the same Devonte Parker again this year, and hopefully for many years going forwards. Um, last year he he. he Sorry, he had career highs in yards and touchdowns with um, 1,202 yards and nine touchdowns. I mean, you know, the touchdowns is really where his numbers have shot up. He did get up to 744 yards in his second season in Miami. So, you know, I know that's that's kind of like 50%, but say that his highest touchdown total before that was, was four. So, you know, the touchdowns has really made made a, a big impact. I think there's there's a lot of things to, to take a look at with, with Devontae Parker. Um, I'm a big fan of his, so this may be slightly biased as well. I was, I was a big fan coming out of college. I wanted them to draft him. So, but I think, he, you know, beginning of the last season, he was kind of delivered a bit of an ultimatum by by signing the two year extension, which in effect was a one year deal with a with an easy out for the club after one year, and it's saying go show us what you can do. Like it's now, you know, time to get it done. The potential is is no longer you know good enough to keep you around, and, and he did that, and that's why they then rewarded him with the four year extension. You know, part way through the season because. He'd done everything they wanted him to do. And I think he showed 2016 Devontae Parker, I don't think would have been Brian Flores' cup of tea. And I think, you know, it, it, it says a lot for his personal growth. And this, I mean, this is what I'm going to say now is kind of a bit off the reservation maybe. But the way I see Devontae Parker is he's a bit more of a quiet player. He's not the sort of, he's going to walk into the room and take it over. And I think maybe the biggest thing that happened for him, although he got on very well, and I'm no way slighting Kenny Stills, but when Kenny Stills moved on, he was then the longest tenured player in the in the room. And I think for Devontae Parker's personality, that all of a sudden made him 
feel the leader rather than the sort of guy who is going to get there on his own, if that kind of makes sense. So I think that was kind of a big deal. And again, nothing against Kenny Stills. Kenny Stills is a great player and a great teammate from everything I've read, you know, and a guy I loved having on the team. But I think for, for Devontae Parker, that's where we saw the separation. There'd been a lot of a lot of reports in previous years of his poor, poor work habits in the off-season and stuff. Um, Kenny Stills had been on about him and things like that. I think it, 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 it went in. I don't think he was it was falling on deaf ears. But, you know, we saw the sort of culmination of that at the end of last year. Sure. Simon, any thoughts, mate? Yeah, I was going to say the same thing as you, Lee, actually, that you touched on right at the end. It's almost like the penny has finally dropped. That maturity has happened, recognising the fact he's now the number one receiver on the team. And yeah, there were question marks over his routines um, in terms of preparation for, for camp and training and, and games. But those those question marks seem to have disappeared now and he's demonstrated a level of maturity that a number one receiver should demonstrate I think. And what do we think his uh, like main attributes are on the pitch I mean I read the other day that he led the league in uh, contested catches uh, over I think over the last two seasons possibly I mean that's obviously a strength he gets up he high points the ball really well but but Lee, what do we think, man? What, what does he bring that you, like, obviously, first-round pick, et cetera, et cetera. What, what's he kind of given us that that we couldn't go out and get anywhere else? I think exactly what you just said. It's contested catches. He's going to go and find the ball and make sure he's the one to go get it. I mean, we saw it. I want to say it was his first touchdown against Baltimore going into the end zone over the top of two players was a flash. And that's what, for a lot of Devontae Parker troopers, if you, if you like, have been... That's the guy we want. We've seen flashes of it. We just need it more consistency. And more consistently than last year, you started to see that go on and on and on. And it, it wasn't in one game. It wasn't one catch. It was multiple catches in tight coverage against two defenders. Over again, high point in the ball, concentration on the sideline. I think actually as well, it was, was it, sorry, Adam Gase's last year, you started to see some of those things, but everything was off by just a fraction. He had a lot of catches that were spectacular, but they were a toe out of bound yeah. and didn't count. There was there was one in, in Houston. There was one against San Francisco where it was called back on a penalty. But when you watch it, the catch was phenomenal. But he's now refined all that stuff where it's now just in, inbounds. And that's why you saw the great leap in, in yards and touchdowns last year. Yeah, for sure. And, and sorry, what do you think in terms of quarterback play? I mean, if we do, we, we discussed and we don't know whether there will be a quarterback change or when it's coming. But do you think uh, Fitzpatrick's more gung-ho, gunslinger sort of approach is going to obviously elevate the, the receivers? And just and to be honest, in general, the team's position sometimes coming from behind. I think last year it became a bit uh, garbage time sort of yardage at times. But do you think if we switch to tour mid-season, is that going to have a big impact on him? No, I don't think so, because the, you don't forget they're running the same scheme. Whoever's at quarterback, both Fitz and Tua have got good arm strength, good intangibles. So I don't think much would change from that respect. And actually, thinking about before Tits, when he had Tannehill, Tannehill's got a good arm. Um, so it, there was nothing lacking there. And, 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 I th- and I think Lee mentioned about the contested balls. That's certainly something that, that Park has been really good at especially over recent times in terms of his development I remember a catch in 2018 against the Bills at Hard Rock where he he caught a touchdown in the middle of four Bills defenders and I don't think um, that Fitz or whoever or two at quarterback would change the way he plays because they're going to know where to put the ball. Sure Lee anything on that? Yeah I I think actually it it may even get better with Tua because you know one or two of his best attributes is his accuracy. And we're starting to see that come out from the beat reports this week that that accuracy stepped up a level the more comfortable he gets. I think the more accurate he is, the tighter the windows he's willing to throw into, you're going to see number 11 there more often than not. 
That's it. And you, and you tend to see, I mean, if you look back at Tua's tape in the last couple of seasons, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, some of his criticism and stuff was just the fact that he loves to throw in on the slant, which I don't really know why it's a criticism, but Parker seems to run that route really well as well. He cuts in, goes the seven yards and cuts inside or even just the, the normal in route or whatever. That's the kind of thing that's really going to get Tua going, isn't it? And I think that's not perfect for Parker's skill set. So yeah, quite a, quite a bright outlook again. And I'm glad to see some uh, positivity around around Parker. Uh, and another kind of knock that I think uh, one of our listeners tweeted us uh, this week and said as well is that Parker's numbers weren't really like that they were about the same as Preston Williams as the as, as the season was ticking away. Then Williams was injured, and uh, and off we kind of popped, and, and and Parker's numbers flew up from there. I mean, we'll come on to Williams in a second, but do you think that is a like going to impact at all? Uh, Lee, sorry, either one of you, not not first who comes in, but do, do you think that that Williams' like presence is going to they're, they're quite not similar players is the wrong thing, but they're built kind of the same. They're both playing on the outside. Is it going to chip into Parker's numbers at all? I think it might even have the the opposite effect. To be honest with you, if you think about when after Preston Williams got injured, and we'll talk about him in a little bit more depth shortly, Parker's numbers continued to improve. And he was the only, realistically, he was the, the only good receiver they had on that team. If you now include Preston Williams in the mix, then teams are going to have to concentrate not only on Parker, but Williams as well, of course. So um, it might have the opposite effect. And, and, and Parker's um, stats and, and percentages may actually um, continue to head in the, up, the upwards direction. I think it's, uh, I'm going to continue beating this drum as well. I, I think it also falls into the Brian Flores wanting to beat as multiple as possible. If he has to beat you with the, the game plan around Preston Williams, he's going to do it. And if he's going to do it with Devontae Parker, he's going to do that because they're good enough to do it. And I think as many great options as you can have, you know, they, they look like being very good NFL wide receivers that would be number ones on other teams. If you can collect those guys, if you can have two of them, that just it gives you it, it makes you more multiple, and I think that's something that we're going to see, and it's it's going to be a drum that I'm going to beat until I see something otherwise. That's it, and, and to be honest, when uh, I mean I, I dialed into the uh, Parker interview at like the start of last week, I think it was, and and he was asked specifically about the relationship with Williams and. And kind of how they uh, bounce off one another, and and Parker kind of said, well, if if Preston makes a huge catch, then he doesn't want it to be too much longer before he's going up and trying to uh, trying to better that, or you know, trying to make a big play as well. So yeah, it seems like they've got that nice like competitive rivalry that you kind of want amongst your teammates to to kind of not like you know duck out if one of them's having a good game, the other one can kind of chill out. That they don't really seem to do that. They're not really thriving off each other. I guess that that segues us nicely into into Williams and uh, Sai. I know you've been having a look at him. Uh, obviously, injury the start of uh, well after a very promising uh, rookie season was emerging. I mean, uh, what next for him? What, what what do you think we've got to see? What got to come? Yeah, there's two things I want to concentrate on actually. One is how quickly does he get back from to full speed from his injury, and the second thing is what can we hope for in year two, which we've kind of already touched on a little bit. But in terms of his ACL injury, I mean, we know it's not very easy to come back from an ACL um, nowadays. Six to 12 months is the kind of range that we're looking at for a full recovery. And the, I think from what the beat reporters have been alluding to over the last couple of weeks, he's, he's performing very well in camp um, and better than can be expected. And in, uh, he appeared at a press conference um, earlier in the week. And he was asked a question about the, I think we're going to hear from Preston Williams now, actually. He was asked about the injury, the rehab, and what his mindset was like and, and how he's feeling now. You know, I just know I needed to work as hard as I can to get back in time for camp. Uh, just came in every day, stayed here the whole summer, all, all season. Worked my ass off. Now getting my reps at practice, so just happy to be out there with the guys. So have you just heard he knows what he needs to do to get back to full fitness? He's he's on track to be 100%. But just to reinforce that some more, I came across an article written by um, NBC Sports a couple of years ago, on the which was based on the back of a study of 34 wide receivers who had returned from an ACL injury. And some interesting 
um, conclusions came out of that report, the average age of those wide receivers who either ended up out of football or who saw a decline in production after their ACL injury, their average age was 27.8. Those wide receivers who had uh, an improved production rate after the ACL injury, their average age was 25.2. Williams is 23. So the signs are good and promising and certainly in favour of a, a productive return to full fitness and and um, a number one stroke number two type receiver. So that's the ACL. The other thing I mentioned about was what can we hope for, for in year two? There's an op definitely an opportunity to continue where he left off in his rookie season. There certainly showed a lot of promise there. And had it not been for that injury, I'm sure he would have had an outstanding rookie season. And in fact, I wouldn't have been surprised had he been the top performing rookie um, overall. We've talked about the potential to form an exciting dynamic duo, duo with Parker. Um, and especially in the absence of Albert Wilson and Alan Hearns, who are now out of the picture, the fact that there's a bit of a lack of depth at wide receiver now perhaps put more of the onus around Parker and, and Williams to be involved in the game. Um, and in fact, in terms of year two, we're going to hear again from Preston Williams now when he was asked at that press conference, what can he take out of that rookie year going into year two? My last year, I was just getting my feet wet. Uh, you know, just approve. You know, as a player from last year, you know, a lot of them balls I could have caught, got to catch them, make those plays. Uh, you know, just overall be a better player. You know, game slowed down a little bit to me, so I think I have a better year this year. So I've just heard, to conclude then, we've heard from Preston Williams, and assuming there are no lingering effects of the ACL injury, I think the general thoughts are and the expectations are that he's going to have a, another outstanding season. Great. Yeah, I mean, I, I can, like, you know, he, he's, he seems to be just a real, like, diamond in the rough that we picked up. But we, we think we discussed in week one about um, the kind of reasons he'd gone undrafted and that sort of thing. But, and how quickly, uh, you know, people kind of started to cotton on to what a, what a talent he was. Um, in terms of, like, career, that kind of development for him then, I mean, do we think, obviously, he's undra undrafted uh, rookie free agent sort of thing. Do, do we see him being like a Dolphin for a long time? Is he is he someone that's going to um, be threatened? We'll come on to it shortly in terms of what, what 2021 holds in terms of the draft and that kind of thing for the receiver position. But do, do we think he's like, along with, uh, do we think Parker's here for the long run and Williams? Or do we think one or the other? Or, you know, is it, what, what do you reckon the plan is, Lee? What do you reckon? So, yeah, I think that, to be honest, there's, there's a good chance you see them both around for a long time, you know, barring anything ridiculous, injury or anything. Um, Devontae Parker's contract extension took him, takes him through 2023. Um, obviously, Preston Williams is on a rookie deal. But I think when, by the time you get to the stage where you're considering paying Preston Williams, Devontae Parker's contract for a player, if he projects to do... Even the same as last year, if he carries that out the next four years, we're going to look at that contract and say, that's a good deal. So, yeah, I, I see them both in, in the future. The only thing that's kind of thinking I've got at the back of my mind is, and it's not a particular issue any longer, is that there was a reason he was undrafted and was a free agent. And uh, thankfully, um, the, there don't appear to be any signs of any off-the-field issues. Um, so that that's only one thing that's lingering out the back of my mind. Um, yeah. Uh, but apart from that, I, th I think uh, the future looks bright for the pair of them. Nice, yeah. Lee? Yeah, just just an interesting thing I thought would bring up because I've seen it around on, on Twitter this week and I, I know I've got quite a quite an opinion on it. But there was, there was people freaking out when they saw Preston Williams back returning punts again in, in practice. I, I've got to... I, I believe myself, Brian Flores is going to do that. The Patriots did it with Amendola. They did it with Edelman. They, they're not going to be worried to put him back there. The fact that he's been injured in the past is not an issue. If he's the best player to return punts, he'll be back there. It's, it's not, we'll put someone lower down the depth chart back there. I, I think that's the way they'll play that out. I mean, I know Preston Williams came out afterwards and said he wanted to return. You know, he was happy to return punts. Um, but I think that's why he was out there when he was. It, we don't. It, they don't see it as he's a number one receiver or he you know he's a main receiver so we're not going to put him back to return punts it's going to be does he give us the best chance to advance the ball 
we'll yeah, put it back there. I guess the only weird thing for me is that, I mean, if that's who uh, they want to return punts, fine. But it just seems to me when you've got like a gadget like Grant's out there, um, it just seems bizarre. But I guess that there's obviously a point to the fact that you've got your more elusive, elusive kind of receiver in Williams and, and Grant's speed not, doesn't equate to everything. But, but yeah. I think the, the problem with Grant's speed is, and I think we saw this kind of early in his time in Miami, is his speed is such a weapon, but he, he's so, more, so much more unreliable catching the ball when it's being punted. Kickoffs, that's a different matter when he's got that gap in the end zone and he gives him a chance to concentrate on the catch, then make the return. And I think you might see that often where you know someone different is returning kicks and punts. But I think they want someone who's going to first secure the ball because that's the most important thing. If you give it up on a punt, you know, you're in a lot of trouble. And then yeah. gives you a chance for a decent return. I think the big-bodied Preston Williams makes a real difference over Jakeem Grant's kind of smaller size. Contar, yeah. Yeah, just going back to the injury situation. I mean, you can't worry about uh, a player recurring an injury. You've got you've just got to put the best players out on the field whenever possible. Really, if you if you're cont- consistently worrying about a player re-injuring just because he plays in a certain position, you're not going to get anywhere. So I don't think that would be necessarily a concern of of the coach, to be honest. Yeah, and, and to be fair, we, we've kind of always done it. I, I've watched a couple of games back the other week and uh, Landry returning punts and stuff as well, even when he was the clear uh, out best receiver we'd got on the team then. So, yeah, I think it's like it's fairly common, isn't it? And uh, and like you see like uh, Odell Beckham and stuff returning punts. And, uh, yeah, so agreedly, I think you could see quite easily see him returning punts again. And it's nothing to be overly scared about it just sometimes helps to have a bit of game changer doing that and trying to reverse field doesn't it really so yeah um and then i guess while we're talking receivers and 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 we, we've got a kind of factor mike kaziki in a bit as well no he's not a designated receiver but uh, frankly that's what he's in the team to do uh, uh pass catching is definitely his strength and we saw him really Picking up at the end of last year, we we, we kind of touched on Gaziki uh, in in week one where we were talking about the, the kind of wide receiver three and, and who we thought would uh, come in there. So I just wanted to pose a question today, and, and I'll quickly talk to it afterwards as well as, as to whether like someone like Adam Shaheen really poses any threat to Gaziki in terms of um, snap count and yardage and that sort of thing. And I mean, to answer my own question, I, I don't think we're I don't think we're going to see a lot from Shaheen. Um, I mean, he's, he's certainly not really lit up the league with the Bears yet, has he? I mean, we had one, his first season he caught uh, 12 balls for 127 yards and it's been pitiful uh, ever since that. So I don't think we're, we're going to see a huge amount from him. But I guess for me, what the kind of reason he's been brought in is he's one of those players that was kind of talked about as, as, as like, you know, could be something in the league. Came from a small school in Ashland and... And people thought, you know, he could make something out of himself. And it's just good to have a bit of like pass catching back up at tight end. Um, that was something I think we were lacking. We've got like Durham Smythe sat there, who's clearly in the in the game for the uh, uh, for the blocking side of things. And beside that, we've got a couple of young guys uh, in the tight end room as well. So I actually quite like the acquisition of Shaheen. I don't think he's going to really take much away from Gaziki. But um, but he just kind of gives us a, a backup option, as we've just discussed. Injuries can come from anywhere, and and, and he would he wouldn't be a, a, an awful um, like filler if needed. Any real opinion from, from you at all, Lee? I go go agree with what you said. I don't think he really eats into to Mike Gesicki's time too much. I think it's good to have as many options and kick tires on players that you like. No problem with that. In you know this time of year. Um, and like you said, if an injury was to occur and you had to put him in the game, I think there is something to be said for having some experience in the league. He's not a rookie. We know, you know, rookies take a while to, to come on at the tight end position. Sure. Sai, anything different on, on that, mate? Uh, I just think all the other tight ends are a bit meh, to be honest with you. I don't particularly take a fancy to any of them. Um, and Shaheen, um, for me, might just simply be a camp body, but we'll see how it turns out, of course. Yeah, quite possible. You're right there, and and I actually quite like Smythe in the in the run game and the blocking game. I don't think he's too bad. I don't I don't know whether he'll quite earn a, a second contract, but he could. Uh, he, you know, I don't think he's going to cost a lot if the, the coaches think he's got a lot to add in terms of uh, blocking and and if we can establish a, a run game and he's a key part of that, then then uh, you know more power to him. Um, and, and so that all kind of those kind of three players, Kaziki. Parker Williams kind of tie me together because 
I think they're obviously our first choice options. There's not a lot of depth behind them, really. I mean, do we think that you know this year we kind of built the trenches in the uh, in the draft aside from Tua and maybe Malcolm Perry at the end? But like, is this for you guys? I know it is for me, but for you guys, is this kind of all gearing towards skill players? Uh, really being targeted in the 2021 draft. I mean, again, there's a lot of receiver talent uh, that's set to come through, headlined by like Jamar Chase. So, uh, any kind of uh, thoughts on whether we go after that? Is that is that the plan next year, Lee? What do you reckon? I don't think so. For for me, I think they would rather use those sorts of players as sort of bait to get other teams to trade with them and collect capital. I think they're going to, they, they have a very kind of strong idea of the players they want. They don't have to be flashy headline names. They have to be guys that they, they kind of seek out. And I think we've seen that with some of the linemen they've picked up this year, you know, um, you know, when they were drafted, there was a few people looking, well, hang on, that's a bit out of left field. But now you see even this early in camp, the reporters are talking about them. These guys are impressing. And I think that that's the sort of thing you, you see going forward. The only exception I would say is if they feel that the Tua needs someone that he's familiar with and they maybe look at the Alabama crop and say, right, okay, I, I, I'll be honest, I don't know the names off the top of my head. But if they look back at the Alabama team and say, oh, he's coming out, let's get him. Yeah, there's two very good uh, receivers coming out of Alabama next year as well, obviously, in, in, uh, in Waddle and Smith. So I think you could definitely see one of them. That was, that was kind of my thoughts, to be honest. But Cy, si, anything different from you, mate? Yeah, I'd, I'd love them to pull out a couple of sexy signings, to be honest with you. It's, I was half expecting it. And we talked to, on the last pod, I think, about the possibility of drafting a running back um, at the 2020 draft, which didn't really happen, even though there was that opportunity to do so. But I'd really like them to splash out, if you like, and get a Jalen Waddle or a was it Devonte Smith out of Alabama to to get paired with Tua, who he knows very well, of course. Yeah. Travis Etienne, the running back, as well as another one that springs to mind. I, I mean, I don't follow the college game closely, but I know enough about those three guys because they're the headlines, they're the sexy signings, and with two first-round picks. And who knows what the draft order is going to look like at this time. But historically, running backs don't go high. Um, wide receivers potentially more so, I think, a little bit. But what an opportunity to grab a couple of, of flash players and, and add some razzmatazz to, to the offence to go with, which inevitably is going to be two as next season. That's it. And I mean, to be honest, I've got my I'm a, I'm a Florida State kind of fan as well. I've uh, followed them for a few years and I've got my eye on Tamorian Terry. I think he'd be a great addition to the uh, uh, to our wide receiver room, maybe second round, late first round pick. So, yeah, I think, you know, uh, for me, I kind of disagree. Really. I think I think that the whole reason that last year was kind of build the trenches, protect the ball. Uh, like get the, the defence up, up a, a whole lot compared to what it was last year. And I think we'll, we'll go out, we'll, we'll probably target a couple of higher round skill players next year. I mean, I could be completely wrong and who knows, we, we're not in the in the draft room, but I guess that's the, what makes it interesting, isn't it? We, we just don't know. And, and I think when you see the kind of roster construction that some teams are going through, I mean, there's even an argument we could pay a veteran receiver coming off a, off a rookie deal. I know there's been a fair few links with like Juju Smith-Schuster. I don't know whether there's anything that you guys would think on that. I mean, Si, would you like to see us go after a free agent acquisition as a, a big receiver to add to Parker and Williams as well? No, I would say not. I would definitely build through the draft. I mean, if if there's a wide receiver available in free agency, there's obviously reasons why. Um, I know there is potentially the cap space, but um, you imagine a, a rookie wide receiver of the likes of Waddle, or, who we've mentioned, pairing with Parker and Williams and how explosive speed-wise that can be. It gets your mouth watering, to be honest with you. Sure. Go on, Lee. Yeah, I think, you know, if, if they go that route, don't be surprised if it's a slot receiver because that's where the hole is. You know, we can see that already. You know, Williams and Parker come out the season healthy. You've got guys on the outside and the hole is on the inside where Albert Wilson was. Whether he comes back and plays next year is something for down the line. But if they could move on from that contract, get someone in on a rookie deal, someone flashy in the draft, maybe that's the route they go. But I think that's the glaring hole when, when you look at it. 
Yeah, for sure. And I, and I guess we, I mean, I don't, I'm not even going to put it to discussion too much. I don't think I can, we can, we'll be drafting a, a tight end too high because Zicky keeps developing the way he, uh, he is at the moment. But, you know, you never know really. Um, uh, yeah, so good little chat through there. I think we're, you know, I think that's the first time I've seen you, both of you guys as positive as me about uh, <laughs> our position group. So that's what we're here. Yeah, that's what we like to hear. Um, I mean, but beyond uh, Parker Williams, I think we've discussed it previously. We don't think there's a lot to offer, but there's a good opportunity for um, a couple of the young guys like Isaiah Ford and a couple of others that, that, to, to really like stamp their mark and 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 win a position going forward as well. So be an interesting one to watch. Uh, I really hope that Parker can uh, continue to uh, perform as he did. Uh, you probably saw me on Twitter uh, giving out a bit about uh, how he uh, had Stefan Gilmore in his back pocket the other day. So uh, <laughs> uh, we need to continue that, especially into week one. But uh, all good. Um, right, moving on to some some camp news, really. I think the, the first thing to discuss is the uh, announcement that the Dolphins will have fans in the stadium. Um, first, well, one of the first teams that we've seen come out and say that so explicitly from, from day one, 13,000 fans uh, for their home opener. Um, I mean, this afternoon, I think we've, we've seen a few teams come out again and say certainly no fans in the ground for the first two weeks. So what do you think, Saif? Right decision to, to, to go ahead and, and, and like break the mould like that? Yeah, I mean, the first thing I've got to say is you've got to give a lot of credit to Tom Garfinkel and his team for getting this opportunity for 13,000 fans to attend games. I mean, it would have been so easy just to say, no, we're not doing it. We're not owning the stadium. But I've seen the social distancing plan that the Dolphins and have released in conjunction with Hard Rock Stadium. And, and, and it makes for a compelling reading, actually. They've thought of absolutely everything. And you can tell there's a hell of a lot of work that's gone into this. Um, so we're absolutely thrilled that they've been able to to get a limited number in into the stadium. To be honest, and and congratulations to those thirteen thousand lucky fans who are going to be able to make it. I mean, it's going to be a bit of a surreal experience. To be honest with you, I can't imagine what it would be look like looking like. But absolutely brilliant news that the team have managed to put this in place for the for the fans. Lee, what do you reckon, mate? They probably look like a Chargers game. Um, <laughs> no, in all seriousness, I I got to agree agree with you completely. You know, and even to go a step further, we're an incredibly lucky fan base to have somebody like Tom Garfinkel in the organisation for for the stuff he does and puts forwards. You know, and also his fan interaction. You know, he takes on board what people are saying on social media. He interacts with fans like that. That shouldn't be taken for granted. You know, I think as a fan base, we are appreciated. They do. You know, the, the, being one of the first teams to to say that you're going to have fans is solely in the interest of the fans. Do you, you know, they could quite easily have just gone along with everybody else, said no, just ride it out. As soon as everyone else opens up, let let people in. So I think the fact that they've taken these steps and they were, you know, the first stadium to be accredited with the um, I can't remember what the certificate name was now, but for their for their hygiene standards to you know, so they were able to open. That you know, they've really gone above and beyond. You know, to make sure this happens, it's the well, Global Biorisk Advisory Council star rating for cleaning, disinfection, and infectious disease prevention. It was right at the tip of my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, I take it from from those kind of views from both of you. I think if you had the opportunity, right, would you both go? And I asked that for oh. a poll on uh, on Twitter yesterday, which kind of showed seventy five percent of people would and twenty five percent wouldn't. So, what do you reckon, both? Would you be going if you got offered the, the chance? In a heartbeat. Yeah. Uh, actually, probably this year, probably not, because at the end of the day, you look at what's going on in the states with infection rates, and particularly in Florida, and personal circumstances mean, with my wife, mean that um, I, I wouldn't want to uh, risk it. To be honest with you, so this year. I'd, I'd probably say no, but given any other season, then yeah, absolutely. Nice. Yeah. And I think that's it. That's what it comes down to, isn't it? And there's a lot of like uh, hyperbole and, and that kind of thing going around about if you don't want to go, then you must be mad and stuff. But no, I completely agree. So I think I'd probably err on the side of caution with uh, I've got a couple of like asthmatic things and stuff like that that would scare me off. But fair play. If you want to go, if you can go, uh, what an opportunity the Dolphins have put on. So that's uh, that's some good news there. And uh, on the flip side, on the bad news side of things, um, we saw our first proper surprise or, or first major injury that's kind of like uh, 
knocked a, a player back and out for the season in Curtis Weaver, um, fifth round draft pick this year. Uh, waived for injury designation yesterday. As far as I can tell, he hasn't been claimed by anyone else, so it seems like he'll be coming back on uh, on IR for the Finns. But um, I guess Lee, these kind of things are going to uh, happen. Um, shame for Weaver as a quite a talented and, and quite a, um, an underrated uh, player coming into the league. Uh, any any really thoughts there? Any thoughts? Even sorry, are we, do, you, do you think it's going to? Uh, happen again or it's obviously there's no way to tell but like, you know what can, what can we really take from the situation yeah I just think um, like you say once he's cleared waivers and he can come back on IR you know bearing in mind he's a rookie he has to go through that process if this was any other player he'd have been put on IR we would have said yeah it's a terrible thing like with Vince Beagle but great we'll see him next year hope he gets healthy I think this is this is the same thing. Once he clears waivers, getting back on IR. I don't think don't think the coaching staff would give up on him that soon, unless there was a a problem with his play as well. But yeah, I think it's just a case of going through the the procedure of of letting him come back and get onto the IR list. Oh, sorry, yeah, I completely forgot about Beagle. So second major one from Camp there. My bad. Um, si, any uh, uh, anything to add? Yeah, this this is the the waiver weaver or the the oh, weaver okay. waiver. Isn't it? There you go. How long have you been prepping that one, mate? <laughs> it days. <laughs> but to be fair, though, I mean, uh, a fifth round pick always came with risks. I recall at the time. But we're what two weeks into camp, and it's, and I've been reading a few of the beat writers' reports today, and they're they're all coming to the consensus that he's simply not good enough, and there were doubts as to whether he was going to make the team. In any case, but. It's only two weeks in. Have they really given up on him that soon? It seems a bit harsh to me, but um, so hopefully he gets another opportunity. Um, it won't be this season, of course. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, we, I, I do another podcast uh, as well, which is talks about college football. And uh, someone was really talking, like hyping up um, uh, like Boise State kind of projects and Weaver and that kind of thing yesterday. So uh, to kind of compare that to... Um, some of the kind of comments you were getting from the beat writers saying he was looking a bit slow, he was a bit behind the uh, behind pace and stuff before his injury. So yeah, I think, I think you're right, and hopefully he does come back and sit on IR and gets another chance. But uh, yeah, remains to be seen. And uh, Lee, and final thought on that from you? Yeah, I just think you know, it's I, I would struggle to believe that they've given up on him after two weeks, just because this is the same coaching staff that that were willing to ride Nick Needham out through his struggles at the beginning of the season in live action. Um, I think they'll be happy to stash him on IR, get a chance to look at him next year. You know, just kind of forget about him for the season, look at him next year. I don't think th- this is the sort of coach and stuff that gives up on somebody that quickly. Yeah, for sure. I think you're right. I think you're right. And uh, yeah, fingers crossed for the lad, he gets another chance, really. Um, and, and talking of uh, beat reporters and the like, I, I just wanted to quickly... Uh, I have a quick mention of how like weird Twitter can be at times, and I don't know whether you guys were like really picking up on it at the end of last week. But there was, you know, Fitz had that day where he didn't turn up to camp, and it was kind of like Tour and Rosen were throwing picks, and it was only three completions out of nine in the team drills and stuff like that. And God, it was it, it was like a morgue on Dolphins Twitter to be honest. And then like come yesterday, what a different story we got the. The, the clip of, of Tua hitting Perry in stride downfield and there was a lot of like Tua didn't miss a beat and, and all this. Fitz, Fitz was like getting things in the end zone with Parker and, and Williams and everything. And yeah, it's, it's just such a crazy world, isn't it? And that's why, I mean, I don't know about you guys, that's why I kind of love sport because it's so, like takes can change so quickly and it's uh, it's such like, if you want to invest time and, and effort into a team, like it can be like, you know, following like Premier League or Championship teams over here you can like you get like a weekly up and down buzz most weeks and uh, here it seems like a daily thing in pre-season camp it's quite funny really isn't it so go on go on Si any thoughts on that it's quite ridiculous when you think about it really isn't it I mean these beat writers are in a very privileged position to be able to watch camp every day and yet we we slag them off when we don't read something that we like but we hang on their every word when they report on camp whether good or bad I mean take the fit scenario last week I mean the guy had a day off for example for personal reasons which we're not going to find out what they were so just let him have his day off he's 37 47 years old um why why the big song and dance about it it was ridiculous and similarly with Tua I know everybody 
wants to see him throw that 70 yard bomb but it's it's practice it's not a real game why why go over the top about it it doesn't make any sense really you've got to see him in in a proper game that's it go on Lee I love I love beat reporters because they 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 love to point out how the teams have always got an agenda and when they when they show you stuff on social media it's so you think x when they do exactly the same thing with their writing, with the clickbait headlines. We've all clicked on a story before. Oh my God, what's this? And then read it and go, that's a waste of my time. What are you talking about? <laughs> but I'll tell you a funny story. I was at a Dolphins practice. And I sat maybe 10 seats away from one of the beat reporters that I'm not going to name names, but everyone would know. He slept through the whole of practice and then spent the whole four hours afterwards tweeting. And I've got friends who saying, what about this? What about this? I was like, that didn't happen. He was asleep. I was sitting next to him. But like you say, we hang on every word and and next year we'll do the same thing again. It's it's crazy. And it, uh, I mean, it, it's the same with like the, uh, in, in like English football words and stuff earlier. I mean, obviously I'm a, I'm a big Birmingham fan and, uh, and the kind of Twitter meltdown today from our uh, near city neighbours that, that Jack Grealish isn't in the England squad is, uh, it's a pleasure to read really. But, uh, and the beat reporters for the Villa are kind of saying, this is an outrage. And I'm just like, you, you're a journalist. You don't need to get this involved. It's fine. But uh, <laughs> there we go. Um, Nice, right. Uh, that's the, kind of summed up the kind of stuff coming out of camp. So we'll have a quick run through three more of our uh, of our new signings. See what we can uh, take from them. What they're going to offer the roster this year. Um, we we covered a couple more of the prominent guys last week. So a couple of names that you might not have known. We, we picked up uh, here, and and uh, we'll try and give you a brief overview of what we're getting. So, uh, Si, I think you're going to kick us off with uh, Shaq Lawson. Yeah, thanks, Andy. I mean, I don't know too much about the guy, to be honest with you, having not really. Um, focused a lot on his play um, so I'll take you back to his introductory press conference back in March when he signed um, and give some feedback from things he said at that time in terms of what he can bring to the team and the type of player he is I mean a first thing to say it's fair to say he's not lived up to his billing as a first round pick which is why he's hit the free agency market um, and he acknowledged that in that press conference but in terms of the type of player he is, he said he's loud and competitive. He feels like he can play anywhere on the field and in any scheme. Uh, given time, he's 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 gonna he thinks he's gonna get it right. He's not gonna get outrun. He's gonna um, create a new line of scrimmage, so to speak, in terms of his play and his positions. He reckons the defense can be something special given time. Um, he, he feels like he can, he's getting better each year and he's getting more comfortable in playing with the NFL in general. He's got a lot of juice um, and he will bring fire to that defence and something special to the team. So he's he's got the confidence he's in himself, I think, which is half the battle when you're, in a, when you're a professional sports um, athlete. Um, so hopefully that, that confidence will translate to production on the field. I mean, in terms of where he can improve, I think, I've uh, done some research over his career and he's only had 16 and a half sacks in a four-year career to date, the highest in 2019 with six and a half. Um, and in terms of games played, he's interestingly, he's not yet played a full season. He's played 10 games in his rookie year in 2016. Then he went 11, 14 and 15. So maybe there's a bit of an injury concern there um, in terms of his ability to play a full season. So overall, I think he should be a boost to that pass rush, pass rush especially now we've lost um, the Weaver Waver and um, Vince Beagle. Um, so we'll, we'll see what the future brings for Shaq Lawson. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he, you, you've covered some some reasonable points there. I don't think he's got a ton of production on uh, on tape and that sort of thing, but I think he's going to be a nice little edge setter um, with kind of Devin Godshaw and uh, Christian Wilkins in there as well. Uh, you know, he's, he he knows the division as well, which is half the battle. We've seen a lot of Patriots signings, and we'll cover uh, another one in a second. But um, but yeah, he knows the Bills, which is a bit different, and gives us a bit of insight there. And uh, yeah, it's kind of a bit of a prove it sort of contract again, isn't it? And uh, hopefully, kind of gets in the dirt and works and and, and like builds himself up because we did see that. I mean, Taco Charlton was nothing special and stuff last year, but we did see that those guys can produce. They've got a bit of first round capital for a reason. So yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, Lee, any any thoughts on on Lawson quickly? Yeah, I think 
I mean, with the player that I'm going to talk about later, I think you're going to see a bit of a running theme here. And and like you said, Tucker Charlton as well. Um, first round picks that have been given up on. You, you're going to see this team give, give them a chance because they don't need them to produce at a first round pick level. They need them to be productive. They need them to not make mental errors. So if, if you can do those things, they will wait on the talent to show. I think they'll, they'll give those players a chance. Um, it, it's about, like you say, like I said, filling the role that the, the team see for you. And so I think this is a, a common theme, and we'll see it going forward. Like we saw it last year with a couple of first round picks. We'll see it this year again. You said about Lawson, and we'll talk about a few more as we go forwards. Yeah, for sure. I think you you touched on it last week as well, isn't it? They they just want solid, good players rather than superstars. And and like the end and the kind of role that Lawson plays can be a, like a superstar sort of uh, position. So, yeah, I don't know whether he's going to be uh, the, fa- the the face of the franchise going forward. But like you say, it's good, solid uh, addition, Quan Lee. Yeah, I think some of these players, you know, when they're allowed to move on it's because they didn't produce at that first round level and people are disappointed. But once you lower your expectation, you say, I want you to be so, I don't need you to be flashy in the stats. I don't need you to, to get sacks. I need you to make sure tackles. I need you to not give up big plays. And once you start looking at it from that point of view, you start to be a lot more comfortable with these players. And, you know, as I, say, I think that's what our coaching staff looks for. So, yeah, I think... You know, we'll see it with a, with a lot of players going forward, especially in free agency and stuff like that. Former first-round picks that that will be pretty decide, divisive when they come through on on Twitter. Yeah, that's it. And, and the way that the kind of Dolphins play on defensive, it's going to be the same as last year, like dropping a lot of man into coverage and quite a lot of like man coverage and stuff like that. Lawson's role is really just to like try and collapse the pocket, isn't it? And uh, and not like give the receivers enough time to break open and I think he's again I think that's the kind of production he's shown uh, and quite a mean Bills front last year as you say so he picked up his his most career sacks last year so when, when he's kind of working uh, as part of the unit he does seem to produce so fingers crossed he's a, he's a cheap pickup that we can kind of rely on for some production over the next couple of years and uh, and, and anything above that's a bonus really isn't it so yeah, and I think the same the same sort of thing can be said for the guy that I'm going to look at, who's uh, Elandon Roberts, who's uh, come down uh, along with a few others from New England in this off-season. 26-year-old uh, linebacker, former sixth-round pick, but uh, one of those players that worked under Flores previously. He's quite hard tackling. Um, you know, he started quite a lot of games in 2017, and, and since then he's kind of been in and out of the starting lineup for the Patriots. But also, with a, with a nice little bit of production, and obviously Flores has seen something he's liked, and, and the Dolphins have also seen the the uh, good side of him in the past. I think he got his first two career sacks against us in Week 12 back in 2017, which I obviously knew off the top of my head and definitely didn't research or Google beforehand. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I think we've got another kind of one of those guys who's, who's just here to do his job and uh, and that's exactly what he said in his press conference when I listened into that last week he, he said he's here to do what the coaches ask of him and there was a kind of running joke because um, like uh, after that 2017 season he kind of sometimes flipped onto the offense as a fullback and uh, we obviously saw a lot of that in the uh, in the Patriots run game and the in the eye formation that sort of thing so whilst we've already got a fullback on the roster um, in Chandler Cox I don't think we're going to see Roberts doing a lot of that, but you never know. It might be needed. It might be there to produce a bit of trickery, that sort of thing. Quandley. Do we get to see a backfield where we've got Christian Wilkins and Alandon Roberts lined up? I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I want to see that backfield. I want. <laughs> I, I need Christian Wilkins blocking for somebody. <laughs> I just uh, well, actually, Christian Wilkins could be um, receiving, couldn't he? He's, yeah. he's caught a few in his in his time, and actually, I've got him on my. Uh, Dynasty team, we've got defensive players on our roster, and I've got him in in my lineup for that very reason. That's an easy six points. <laughs> to be honest, I thought he'd fumbled away that one last year, which he, uh, which I'm still not really entirely sure it was it should have been given. But that, that was pure confidence trying to bring it in one handed. He didn't even try and bring it in with two hands. <laughs> Incidentally, talking to linebackers, breaking news: um, the Dolphins have just announced they've signed linebacker Trent Harris, mm-hmm. off the press. 
There you go, heart off the press. Nice one. We'll, we'll touch on that again in, in, in a second when we've had a chance to <laughs> probably Google and get a bit more information about him. But yeah, um, Roberts is, is coming on a two million contract, one million uh, guaranteed signing bonus. So yeah, I think another kind of cheap hit um, that we're going to see uh, on and off the pitch. Maybe a special teams contributor as well. And uh, yeah, fingers crossed if we get again if we get any more from him than than that then a bonus and a, and a win and uh, someone that, that uh, Flores clearly has a bit of trust in. Um, take us away with uh, with our, what could have been previously described as our new revolving gate at guard, but I think we've uh, got some positivity to spin on Eric Flowers finally. Yeah, so I've got some positivity to spin, spin on it. I mean, Eric Flowers signed a three-year deal in the off-season, three years, $30 million. Um, it's not a particularly long contract they're able to get out of it at the end of 2022 if they want with, with little penalty. So again, this is low risk, high reward sort of sort of free agency pickups. Um, again, he's a pretty divisive kind of player on, on Twitter. When the signing was made, people were freaking out because they remember the, the ninth overall pick at tackle for the New York Giants and that not going very well at all and sort of dismiss his year last year at guard playing for the Redskins or the Washington football team. Um, yeah. Well rescued. <laughs> it, it, habit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, his season last year was, was really good. It was solid. And again, that's, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to preach it and people are going to get sick of me saying it, but that's the sort of player they're looking for is someone who's going to be solid. We, I just remembered a quote from last year when um, I believe it was Brian Flores and it may have been Chris Greer came out and said about Laramie Tunsil, we don't want four guys in Laramie Tunsil. And I think, you know, the, the reports so far out of camp have been that Eric Flowers is playing well, that he's been a good leader. He's been staying behind after practice to teach the young guys. We've heard that in some of the press conferences with um, some of the rookie O-linemen. Um, yeah, I, I was really pleased with it because they they identified a player they wanted that's solid at a position. They're not bringing him in as the first round pick, Eric Flowers, to play tackle. They're not expecting him to transform the line. They're saying, play guard and don't make mistakes. That's it. Because if you bring him in and you expect him to be the first round pick and he's going to change the line all on his own, you'll be very disappointed. But just play solid guard. Well, everything else will fall into place. Yeah, here, here. And uh, anything from you, sir? Yeah, I've been thinking, I've been reading today, actually. Maybe the maturity factor has started to become apparent as well. He's been in the league several years now, and I, I'm sure I read today that he's been taking the rookies under his wing, um, the rookie offensive linemen, who are also have been performing well by all accounts. So maybe that maturity factor is going to benefit him in, in terms of um, how he performs on the field with a new team. For sure. I mean, he also grew up a Dolphins fan from the Miami area. You know, I, I think for some players, you know, you, you might know yourself if you've moved around, there, there's something about being home, um, especially if you've ever been to Miami. It's it's very different to, to a lot of places in the world. Um, you know, maybe it's just a happier life all around for him being, being back home. But every, everything that's come out so far has been really quite good about him. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, uh, like I, I must hold my hands up and say I was kind of one of those uh, uh, fans that kind of had a little bit of a panic when he stepped through the door. But uh, that obviously, it was just uh, like <laughs> memories of like just watching people brush by and, and hit Elon Manning quite hard in the chest. So, uh, yeah, but um, I think, uh, to be honest, um, I agree. Having like, thought about it, having reviewed some of the stuff last year, uh, Flowers looked really good on playing at guard, and, and it was a fantastic move by the uh, by Washington tucking him inside. So, yeah, I, I agree. Like, I think we're going to have a good, solid producer on the line there. Yeah, that's a, that's another thing I, I meant to say as well about his time in New York. He wasn't the only reason that team didn't succeed. That O line was not good across the board. Again, it you know you, you can't be better than. Than the you know the worst player on the offensive line, and I think that's the sort of mantra that that we're going to see. Um, but like you say, people people who don't didn't get to watch the Giants all the time because they weren't the best team in the NFL. The same way people don't underrate players like Devonte Parker because the Dolphins aren't a big media team; they're not in a lot of prime time games. They see this, they see one year and say that must be must be a fluke, and they haven't seen 
the whole body of work. And, you know, we know watching the Dolphins that there's a few players there that are underrated. Cam Wake never gets gets the, the praise that he deserves from the rest of the league because he played in Miami in, in you know, what's called a small market and not in a lot of primetime games, not in playoff games. I understand that, but you've got to be able to look at each player for what they do individually. Um, and I say, I think the same thing happens with Eric Flowers. You sort of dismiss the fact that he played well last year on a bad team in Washington, but that doesn't mean he can't play well and he can't be a good player. So I think that, you know, it's always just more than looking at just sort of surface level stats. That's it, for sure. No, I think you, you've hit the nail on the head. And I think it's a, it's a kind of the first piece in the, what looks like to be a very promising O-line. And we'll cover that in a bit more detail next week as we have a quick look in the trenches and see what we've got to offer there. But um, some more kind of breaking news, which uh, I'll tell you what, it's uh, it's like uh, Sky Sports News, isn't it? But uh, Curtis Weaver's been claimed by the Browns off, uh, off waivers. So uh, that was a short stint in Miami for him. But as we discussed, Possibly some talent there. There's a lot of uh, talk about that. So, um, nice little move by the Browns. Uh, they'll be the ones that kind of stash him away and take a, take a run on him next year. So, interesting move. Um, it's a strange system, isn't it? Having to waive your, uh, your younger players to let them go through waivers before you can add them back to the IR. So, yeah, um, I'm sure um, the Dolphins staff will probably be feeling a bit aggrieved about that. But, yeah, well, it makes just another roster spot for somebody else uh, available. And, and, and that guy, um, you know, who knows whether they can produce and, and lock down a, a position. But, uh, yeah, some, another good uh, run through there. Hopefully some good introductions to some of our new guys for you. Um, yeah, Lawson, Robertson and Flowers, and, and they're all going to play a part this year if uh, helping Tua bed in and, uh, and kind of lock down that defence a bit more. Go on, Lee. So, did, I'm... Reading Twitter as I speak here, so if I end up talking absolute rubbish, please shut me up. Adam Beasley has just tweeted that apparently the Dolphins could have simply put Weaver on IR instead of waving him. Oh, there you go. So there's going to be some some second guessing by the looks of things. Um, maybe they were just unhappy with the play. Uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest, anything I was reading yesterday because I, I kind of put it out there that we were uh, that. Um, there must be something more to the kind of decision to, to drop him out there and immediately I got hit with a reply saying well now nah, this is the process and that sort of thing so yeah all a bit weird um I don't, I don't really know why it's not <laughs> not a bit not a bit clearer for all of us but but we'll live and learn and we'll, we'll, and we'll kind of <laughs> uh, take this away and hopefully we won't see any more rookies on the uh, on the IR or anything like that. I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what the correct process was, to be honest with you. The fact is that um, he's not on, our, on the team anymore. And at the end of the day, that's what we have to realise. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, I think the Browns might have got a cheeky steal there, but we'll, 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 we'll wait and see. Um, great. All right. Well, that leaves us with our customary finishing uh, moment here. The, we've got our two-minute drill. Um uh, I think this week we're, we're going for a game rather than the player. So we're just looking back at some kind of games that we like to, to watch and those kind of ones that bring a bit of excitement. And, uh, and it's obviously been a, a while of being uh, nothing particularly grand to shout about as a Finns fan, but there have been some spectacular games during that period as well. Um, who wants to kick us off? Go on, si, you, you kick us off. Okay. I mean, it would have been so easy to have picked a, a Marino-type game, wouldn't it, to, to brighten up your mood? But I've gone for something slightly different and in that I've chosen the game at Wembley Stadium between the Dolphins and the Raiders, which is our only win that we've had in four attempts at Wembley if you don't count the American Bowl in 1988, uh, which was a long, long time ago. I guess you guys weren't even born then, probably. Nope. <laughs> I, I was one. Yeah, um, I was there for that um, a long time ago. Uh, it was the only time I saw Dan Marino play as a matter of interest. Any any other time I went to Miami to watch them, he, he didn't play. He was injured, which was oh. a bit unfortunate. But anyway, I digress. Yeah, 28th of September, 2014. I think coming into the game, there was a lot of emphasis around the performance of Tannehill and, and calling for him to be benched. There were rumours that um, Philbin was on the hot seat as well. The team had come off the back of two heavy defeats by the Bills and the Chiefs, I think. And 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 to be honest with you, it couldn't have gone much better in a 38-14 win. The defence created four turnovers, including one um, fumble recovery for a TD by Finnegan. Um, there was the running back by committee um, went off on one. Um, 
Tannehill himself even had a decent game, 23 of 31 for 278 and two, two TDs, and also rushing five times for 35. So in terms of home Wembley games, um, that's we don't talk about the others. That's the one that I'm picking as, as one to, to brighten my mood. I can't believe you didn't go for the uh, Jay Cutler game where we uh, didn't score. <laughs> the what game? I've forgotten about that one already. Wrongly. <laughs> yeah, I, know, I just want to bring up a point. I just want to get your your opinion on this when uh, when I saw this as the game that you were picking. Um, if you remember when the, the week before when Joe Philbin came out and sort of cast doubt over the starting quarterback by saying that the best player will play, I, I actually saw that as completely misinterpreted by everybody and that what he was trying to do is the same as every coach does in training camp. The best player will play, except no one says that about the quarterback position. So he shouldn't have said it, but what he was trying to do is carry that same message all the way through that, hey, the best player will play no matter what position it is. But because he said it about the quarterback, it, it then grabs a life of its own. Like, Tannehill was never being benched, wasn't benched, came out and played his best game of the year. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he was just kicking Ryan Tannehill up the backside to get him to, to play. And if that was the intention, it worked, of course. Great coaching. Yeah, I'm talking to great coaching. <laughs> I actually um, spoke to Joe Philbin that weekend when he was at Saracens. And we were, we were there watching the walk through. And at the end of it, Philbin came out of the, the presser and walked to his car on his own. And I just happened to be lingering around. And I said hello to him. And he was polite enough and said hello back. And you could tell he was actually knackered because I think they'd landed the, that morning or something. Um, but as a personality... Um, as, or being charismatic, charismatic if you like, uh, he certainly didn't, didn't come across that way at all. <laughs> Not quite Marino then. <laughs> um, Lee, what's your game, mate? So I think it would have been easy for me to pick the um, the Miami Miracle. Uh, you know, being near Christmas, I had, I had a friend at Christmas party, and he he was watching through my phone on the TV, and we were going crazy together, but. I went. I dug a little bit further back, and I decided to pick out the wild card, uh, the wildcat game in New England. Uh, I mean, I remember exactly what I was doing, where I was sitting. Um, the game opened up with a fifty-yard kickoff return for the New England Patriots. The, the Dolphins had been poor in the first couple of weeks of the season, and I thought, "Oh God, here we go again." And once they broke out their first wildcat, and you saw this sort of bewilderment on the the face of the Patriots they just didn't know what to do and I watched the the extended highlights back today and I'm going to after this podcast go back and watch the full the full repeat because there was fans booing and fans leaving at halftime it, it was just a spectacular spectacular day Ronnie Brown ended up with five touchdowns um one passing four rushing um I can't remember off the top of my head I do have it here his passing yards, uh, sorry, his rushing yards. He was 17 carries for 113 yards and four touchdowns with a longest run of 62 yards nice. and basically did everything, including throwing a touchdown to Anthony Fasano. So, yeah, just, I mean, anytime you can beat the Patriots is great. Beating them in tight fashion like the last few years has been great. But anytime you can blow them out in their own in their own stadium, there's always going to bring a smile to my face. Yeah, and talking of smiles, you wipe that smug smile off Bill Belichick's face as well. <laughs> he was just on the on the sideline with no answer whatsoever. And it's such an unusual position to see him in. He's always got a way to at least slow the, the bleeding down, but it just got worse and worse the more the game went on. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, I, I wasn't really following the NFL that much, but I have watched it uh, that since, and it's just, uh, yeah, it's just so satisfying, isn't it? And, and yeah, probably like the. I don't know w w whether you'd say that one or the Miami Miracle in the in the kind of uh, last like 15, ten, fifteen years sort of is the be best win over the Patriots. But I do also think that everyone remembers the the Miami Miracle game, and it was a, a good game, but somewhat forget the performance of Ryan Tannehill. He traded touchdown for touchdown in that game and was superb. Even after leaving the game at the end of the first half injured before coming back, you know, it, for, for the people who were surprised with the way Ryan Tannehill played last year, go back and watch some of his performances, including that one, and you'll see it was there. He just never had the protection. Yeah. For sure, and I definitely agree on that. And uh, and I've gone for a bit of an obscure game to kind of round us up. Um, 
because I was kind of looking back for, and looking for something different to, to, to highlight and remember. But it was like Halloween and 2013 where uh, the Dolphins uh, gave up a two-touchdown lead to the Bengals, went to overtime, and Cam Wake uh, ended the game with a uh, with a sack in the end zone on uh, Andy Dalton, and we walked off with a, a nice safety and, uh, and, a, and a win there. So, yeah, uh, something a bit different. I remember watching that game as a fairly like new to the sport and something like that, and, and kind of just being like, God, this is like quite fast paced, isn't it? And, and you kind of got, I mean, I, I was given that kind of perception by friends and stuff beforehand that American football wasn't, wasn't overly fun and exciting to watch, but that really was one of those games where it just kind of opened my eyes and it was a proper back and forward. Um, the Bengals were pretty good that year as well, if I, if I remember correctly. And it was also the season that we had uh, Michael Thomas intercept uh, Brady for a, a walk-off victory there as well. So some, some drama and uh, that kind of reeled me in and then left me disappointed for a few, for right. a few years. Andy, did you say the Bengals were good? No, I wasn't right. sure whether I misheard that or not. <laughs> I mean, I, I actually really like Andy Dalton. I'm, I was, uh, uh, I was. I mean, I think Joe Burrow is going to be far better than him. But I was, uh, I think um, Dalton's probably better than a couple of starting quarterbacks in the league at the moment. So yeah, I. Uh, I mean, they were all right that year. Let's go that way. And AJ Green's not a bad uh, receiver either. To still take a bit of him on South Beach as well. Right. Just remember from that game, Andy, when Wake got that sack at the end to win the game. Just the roar of the crowd went absolutely mad. I recall. Yeah, definitely, and that's kind of like you know, it just make it just make, means so much more, doesn't it? And that's kind of what we're like, why we're quite excited to have fans in uh, Hard Rock Stadium this year, and uh, hopefully, uh, we can kind of get on top of the COVID stuff, and and we'll be able to get full capacities back soon because it makes such a difference. I mean, I sat, when you sit in in that ground in there and it's rocking. Um, like there's nothing like it, is there really? So, a bit like St Andrews. That's Andy, it. Yeah. Perhaps. Andrew's on a derby day, I'm sure it's the same with the forest ground as well. <laughs> but uh, yeah, all right, nice one. Another uh, good fun episode, guys. Thanks for that, really appreciated it. Um, next week, we'll probably have a look at some of the trenches, like I said earlier, um, defensive, offensive line, and then get a couple more uh, season previews sort of things building, which I think they've got quite a, uh, like a couple of treats in store for you, hopefully, before the season kicks off. Yeah, not far away now. Uh, any final words and a quick push of social channels at all side before we off. yeah yeah just to remind everyone we're on all the usual social social media channels um website dolphan-uk.com this pod has got its own twitter account at dolphan uk underscore pod and the parent account of course of the fan club in general is dolphan underscore at dolphan underscore uk nice one well thanks guys speak to you next week <laughs>